Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. Today, we're in part two in our conversation. We hope you enjoy. When, you know, many people outside the refuge, especially like when we think about addiction, we have a picture that comes to mind. We read about it in the paper. We see it on the news and we have a very particular picture. But obviously, we know that addictions show up everywhere. All of us has, have some sort of vice that we deal with. But for you, you have a unique story Well, th- that I think embodies, though, a lot of people that probably get overlooked, high-functioning people that are in the workforce, people that are owning businesses, but are dealing with things that that are hard and that are difficult. And I wonder if you could speak into a little bit about, you've alluded to it, but if you don't mind sharing a little bit about like how what, what how did the addiction show up in your life? What did it look like? How did it transpire? What was the life cycle of it? Why why did you come to a point where you wanted to stop? Just I know I threw out a lot of stuff there, but maybe if you just can respond to some of that. Well, you know, it's funny. I always um, I always think about that functioning alcoholic. You know, people we use that term a lot, functioning alcoholic, and yeah, you know, and it and and it's funny. And, and just reading some of the uh, writings on addiction and such, we know that opiate addiction is a very quick process. You know, people that get addicted to opiates, it tends to be a a much faster process of that addiction. And then say that alcoholism is like a twenty year run for a lot of people before they really are in a full blown problem, you know, where something's got to happen. Um, I didn't drink when I was young. Like I didn't drink in high school. I really wasn't a drinker. I can't say that I never did, but I really didn't. It wasn't my thing. I had a great group of people I was around. So for me, um, I guess there's always the two sides. There's like the people always want to say, well, why did you drink? And then they're looking for these horrible things in your life. And we're all masking things and there's stuff and there's reasons. And, you know, um, you and I've talked a lot about being introverted. People are always shocked that I'm an introvert. I just am not someone who seeks out large groups of people. So I think there was probably part of my drinking that made me a little more extroverted, that made my job easier, it made what I do easier, it made me a little more gregarious, if you can imagine that, to be able to go out and just do some of what I had to do for a living. Um, like when I do these things, I'm doing something I love. It's easy. But when you're out working groups and crowds, and um, it's not always as easy when you're stepping into things you just don't want to step into. So there's probably a little bit of that. I also think it was a little bit environmental. I was just around a lot of drinking. I came through a time in business when alcohol was prevalent. Um, I was the youngest person there. I was in my early 20s, and I was working with men much older than myself who'd been around much longer, was spending tremendous amounts of time away from my family between being at you know trade shows. I was spending almost six months a year overseas by myself. So I was just put into these environments that were just easy for me to kind of live these two lifestyles. The, the, the lifestyle at home of a lot, the responsibility, the children, the wife, the, the, the earning, the, the taking care of the house, and then just a completely independent life on the road of all I got to do is work and drink. And so it just became part of my process and I think then we get into the what what is alcoholism and then that conversation we could could go a lot of directions is it a disease it is it a you know what is it is it is it a choice um, and so I know from my own behaviors that um, I never had a drinking problem I had a stopping problem you know that I drank well I just couldn't <laughs> stop what started you know, I was real good at it, you know, but I couldn't stop. Was it always that way? Um, it would go, well, it would go that way in phases. I would have bad times. 
And I think probably a lot of alcoholics could say this. You know, I would drink, you know, relatively manageable for a while. Then there would just be times of excessive drinking. There would be bad moments. There would be, um, I mean, we all, when we think about alcoholism, it's not about what you drink or how much you drink or how often you drink. It's what happens when you drink. And so when you start having these bad events, and I'll kind of roll to that in a moment. But for me, so my drinking just progressed. It was progressive. And I think that's always the argument for the disease people is it's progressive and it's deadly. And that's the thing for me. My alcoholism just it picked up pace. It picked up speed. Um, like anybody, you know, sure, when I had problems, I had troubles. I drank more. I drank to, to solve problems. I drank to celebrate you know, I drank to mourn. I drank, I just, any, any good reason to drink, you know. You know, if a day ended in why, I'd have a drink. You know, it's just you find reasons to drink. You know, it's just there's, there's always a reason, you know. So that's the, you know, that's kind of, again, the classic nature of it. For me, my problem is I'm a blackout drinker. And so I got to the point where I was just, um, drinking into blackouts, not like a lot of people that have drank have said, I don't remember anything about last night. I was doing that all the time. I was getting to the point where my alcoholism had progressed to a point where um, sometimes I was functioning in these blackouts where I could literally come home and have a talk with my wife and, and then have no recollection of having that conversation and having it be a fairly sane conversation. But there were also times when I could wake up in a hotel room with every piece of glass in the room broken and have no idea why it happened. So uh, my drinking had just reached a point of being so out of control and, um, and it began to scare me of what was, am I gonna hurt somebody? Is something bad gonna happen? And something bad was going to happen. Now for me, I owned my own businesses. So I was able to cover a lot of my tracks. You know, I was able to, um, I didn't even try to hide it most of the time because the people around me were kind of paid to put up with me to some extent, what were they going to do? You know? So in a lot of cases, you know, it's that you're putting everybody in a bad situation. You're putting your family in a bad situation. You're putting your coworkers in a bad situation. Um, it's never that thing of, I'm not hurting anybody. We're always hurting people. Thanks for listening to this episode of the relational recovery podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with part three in our conversation. We'll see you then. 